0: This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. Today on Jolt Radio in Miami, Florida, we're bringing you a show about Miami Art Week. For this annual event, artists, curators, galleries, museums, and art fair producers offer visitors from around the world a wild week of opportunities to experience contemporary art through fairs, special events, and exhibitions. You're about to hear my conversations with artist Nama Sabar and Untitled Art Fair Programming Director Amanda Schmidt. They're both presenting exceptional projects during Art Week 2016. To set the stage for our show, let's start by listening to a podcast episode I recorded with Nama Sabar two years ago in a field outside the Freeze Art Fair on Randall's Island in New York City. Today, we're on Randall's Island, standing in front of a small tented performance space on the great green lawn outside the north entrance of Freeze, New York. We've come to meet Israeli artist Nama Sabar and TomTom Magazine publisher Mindy Abovitz to learn about their collaboration for Freeze. Theirs is literally an outsider project. A free four day outdoor music festival featuring 17 bands. You're about to hear how the artist and the publisher brought music to meet an art fair. But first, we'll share a few moments we spent with the band Teague during their rehearsal. So great to have a chance to talk to you here at Freeze and to participate as an observer of your project here on the lawn outside the fair. Yeah. Tell me what gave you the idea to do something called without. Well, the project
1: actually, even though the live part of it is outside, it was generated from inside. So basically um, Freeze gave me a booth inside the fair. And what I did with the booth is cut out the floor of it, leaving a three-foot hole in the fair, exposing the grass underneath, so bringing the inside in, bringing the scenery into the fair, and then taking that floor, putting it outside and in a different landscape, different location, that floor shifts from being a floor to display art in, to a stage to perform on. Then that floor became a stage for a music festival. And once I understood that dynamic, you know, sculptural dynamic, architectural dynamic of taking something out of the fair and rendering it for another use, for another kind of cultural expression, I uh, approached Mindy Abovitz of TomTom Magazine, which is the only magazine in the world that's dedicated to female drummers. And I asked her to create the festival that would be on this uh, fair booth floor because I wanted her to put her agenda on stage. For me, it it was much about kind of like the inside and the outside, both like the inside being, you know, showing art objects, something that is the aftermath of an action, of a sculptural act, of a painterly act, right? Uh, But here, it's actually happening in real time. So it is performative. It is something that's durational, that has a start and an end. And that tension between those two worlds was really interesting for me to explore. And therefore also without the borders of the tent, of the art fair tent, but it's also something that is there and not there at the same time, yeah. How
0: does this connect with your previous projects?
1: A lot of my art deals and explores overwhelming all encompassing environments, specifically nightlife environments and musical environments. I zoom in on the materials and objects that serve a functional purpose within these environments to make them work, but are many times hidden, so they're kind of like behind the scenes. And so here, I think for me, taking out the floor from the fair inside, this all-encompassing environment that you go into and you get sucked into and it's like a very specific world. So taking the very basic element that is used to display art and to, you know, without a floor you can't show art in an art booth. It's very basic. Uh, it's cutting the floor beneath your your feet. Um, so for me, sculpturally, that it made really sense within my practice to, to use that element as the stage for the festival. How is it unlike everything you've done before? I've never had a music festival with 17 bands. It is overwhelming. It's ridiculous. It is everything that I thought I could never do, you know? So it's in a way like a dream that I never dared to dream happening. So I think it tells a lot about Freeze as well, that they're kind of backing this. It is outside of their comfort zone just in the terms of having live bands here, a different kind of aesthetic, a different kind of sound aesthetic, to bring another world that's really different from the art world, although it is a cultural world, into its playground. And ambitious-wise, it's the most ambitious
0: project I've done to date. What is your history with art fairs? What is your relationship with art fairs, personally, professionally?
1: Professionally, I, sh- I did my first art fair um, very soon in 2007 um, in Basel in-, in Switzerland with a very big project in Art Statements, Art Basel. And from the fr- get-go, it was like a very big, maybe harder to sell project, you know, kind of ambitious that way. But through the years, I've been showing in art fairs, um, sometimes just, you know, in regular booths kind of doing things that are more uh, market-oriented and then projects that are a bit bigger and I'm thinking about the context of the art fair itself. This again by far is, is the most specific project I did in an art fair, for an art fair, about an art fair. And how did you meet Mindy? Well I came here from Israel six years ago 2008 and Very early on, I met Mindy. I love what she's doing. I love her magazine. I love her agenda. I love what she's promoting and that she's promoting it wholeheartedly. Um, And we started collaborating very early on. She put a piece of mine in her magazine, one of my earlier pieces that deals with the drum kit and the drum case. Then very naturally and organically, she became a musical collaborator where a lot of my sculptures can be musically activated and I work with musicians to activate them, and uh, specifically Mindy is part of a band I call the Felt Band, which is uh, the activation of big felt sculptures that I make, and playing them, performing in uh, galleries, in art fair settings. So yeah, it's, it's an ongoing collaboration.
0: Mindy tells how she landed in New York City and what motivated her to launch TomTom Magazine. Mindy, how did you get to New York City and why is this a good place for you to be?
2: I got there via a van in 2002. I got here without realizing why I belonged here and that's been unfolding since I got here. And I'm here because I'm a musician, I'm an artist, I'm a media maker. And I'm a freak. And that's who I think makes up New York. So I'm in the perfect place. I'm wondering
0: about percussion. Why Tom, Tom Magazine? What is your goal with the
2: publication? I'm a drummer, and I'm a feminist, and... I was a riot girl when I was a teenager, and I took for granted that that movement would have made enough changes that by the time I was in my mid-twenties, I would be in a more egalitarian music world. And I've consistently worked in the music industry since I was given a bass when I was 14 years old. I remember just being surrounded by music. I've worked at Main Drag Music, East Village Radio, I've done live sound. And I looked around, and I was at this point in my late twenties and realized that there was still a large disparity between men and women in the music world. And being a drummer, I obviously could see the disparity in drummers the most. That was sort of like, that's my forte. So I set out to change that by starting the magazine, both online and print, through events, through talks and workshops, to try to literally increase the number of girls and women drummers there are worldwide. That's my goal, period. And how's it going? It's going really great. In the four years, four and a half years that I've been working on TomTom, Tom, I've had the ability to collaborate with not only artists, but also with many industry mover and shakers in the music industry world, also media makers, who are all helping make the changes that we need to one day just everyone can play whatever they want and not think twice about their gender when they do so. That's my goal.
0: And are you meeting that goal through this festival, the way you curated the projects here?
2: Every single thing we do within the magazine is to promote women and girl drummers. So in that regard, yes. The exposure to the art world, that actually, to answer that question, this is a place for me to be creative and to do what I do every day. When I do this, it's usually very pragmatic and here at Freeze and here with Nama, I'm able to step back a tiny bit and use it as a place to comment on the work we do within TomTom. So yes, this is promoting female drummers, but usually we do so in a very straightforward way. This is in a way in which people can contemplate it a bit more.
0: Do you feel like you're going to get the attention of fairgoers?
2: Yeah, we already already have. We 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 will continue to. We're just presenting really great music and all the bands happen to have female drummers in them.
1: And the fact there is an echo of the project inside, you know, even if they don't come to hear the music specifically, the content is there already or is not there.
0: Nama talks about the disparities she sees in the art world and how they're represented inside the art fair tent.
1: I also wanted to comment regarding the art world, music world, inequality, gender inequality in both. that. This project specifically is also a mirror held up to the art world and specifically what's going on inside that big tent. Whereas we're displaying around 70% female musicians inside there presenting probably 70 to 80% male artists because that is what dominates the art market. And I think the fact that this is a free festival that anybody can come and listen to and that is a paid, you know, fair. I think all those kind of dividers Invisible dividers, but yet so present are the things we are touching upon. And we are, you know, taking small steps and some big steps to change. So I think this is one of those steps.
0: Mindy introduces the bands performing in the festival.
2: TomTom typically curates festivals that cross genres and skill level. Um, and that's what we're doing here over the next four days with all 17 bands. Um, so we have, you know, very technical bands, very raw bands, bands that have been playing together for years, bands that have just started. And the intention there is just to have like a sampler for, for the audience, wet their palate in all these different areas of music. Ideally that's happening under the tent visually and we're doing it audibly out here. We have one of the, the best jazz drummers in the country performing with her trio called the Honey Ear Trio. We also have a band from Barcelona, Doble Platina, that are um, kind of shoegazy pop music. It's
3: more
2: We have a two piece from Tel Aviv that's more punk. Had some kind of math rock earlier today. Uh, Balancer, uh, being the publisher of the magazine, um, I get emails, phone calls, text messages, word of mouth. You know, everybody's telling me about their favorite drummer, who's a girl or a woman. So that happened with Gabriela Jimeno, who's the drummer for Balancer. My friend Chris Cutino from Critter and Guitar introduced us early on, and. I'm looking for a lot of things when I'm looking for a drummer that I want to feature in the magazine or a drummer that I'd want to put in a festival. And she encompasses um, pretty much everything that I think. Essentially, I'm looking for drummers that can stand for another whole group of drummers so we can all relate and find ourselves within the larger picture of Tom Tom. So she is um, a Berkeley-trained drummer. She's relatively young. The band is young and ambitious. They just moved to New York and they're style is very intellectual.
0: I had the chance to speak with two members of Balancer after their performance on the outdoor stage.
2: We have been
1: working with Mindy uh, for a couple of months now. She runs a great magazine uh, in New York that's only about female drummers, and I am a female drummer, so that's how I got to meet her in the first place. And she just uh, works a lot with different artists around New York. so. When she started working with the art fair, she invited us, which is great, so we're here.
0: Yeah. Tell me about the genre of music that you play. What would I have heard if I had been lucky enough to be here?
1: Well, I would say it's kind of um, mellow and colorful rock. There's a lot of melodies and uh, a lot of details. We're only three of us, but we're playing a lot of instruments. So. There's just a lot of details, and I think it's music for everyone.
0: That was a podcast episode I recorded with Nama Sabar. And Mindy Abovitz about a music festival they created outside the tent at the 2014 Freeze Art Fair in New York. Fast forward two years. Spinello Projects Miami invited Nama Sabar to present a solo exhibition during Art Week 2016. And curator Nicholas Baum commissioned her to present a performance project outdoors on the opening night of Art Basel Miami Beach Public Sector in Collins Park. I meet Nama to talk about her new work. Tell us about this microphone installation. This work is called Barricade. It's made out of
1: twelve microphones that form a triangle formation. Each side of the um, triangle has four microphones and basically the idea here in this work as the microphone is an enabler but also as the stand is something that um, keeps you outside. When you're inside it's basically what I call a performative void. Any sound you make in there is transmitted to another location. And so we are inside this barricade you sing or you talk and you don't hear yourself but the sound is actually coming out of another set of work that's called transition which are basically canvas works in which I took amplifiers, took their inside out, and reinserted it onto linen canvases. And as somebody talks within the barricade, the sound comes out through the canvases on the other side. And so you think it doesn't work, but actually everything is amplified and heard. It's a performance. It's a direct broadcast. It's a direct broadcast of you trying to to transmit but thinking you can't but you're actually transmitting somewhere else to someone else that hears you although you don't think you're heard.
0: I think that's a great metaphor.
1: I think so too especially for these times. The power of sound. The power
0: of the individual that might not know they're being heard but they are. Exactly. And I think it's like a barricade, you know, something
1: that, you know, kind of police and law enforcement and throughout history have been used. This kind of Object has been used to, to to form paths for people to walk through, and this is a path for sound um, to go out into another, into a direction that's outside of its performative border of the, the inner performative border of the object. Um, so it relates
0: to to that history for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to hear you talk about the Joseph Boys felt pieces in here that's all I think of when I see the beautiful beautiful felt pieces that resonate uh, like instruments
1: yeah I mean the felts are definitely you know I definitely reference Joseph Boyce and Robert Morris these kind of use of material that was a soft material taken from more like feminine perceived craft by minimalist and post-minimalist in the sixties and the seventies and made into something that's like, you know, appropriated by men, historical figures and art history. And here I'm retaking the, the felt and basically using it, you know, Joseph Boyce used the felt as something that didn't sound, that heats the body, the soft use those properties of the felt and here, although it looks like felt, it acts like another material. Felt is a fabric, it doesn't have a backbone, it's soft, it cannot hold the tension of a string. And what's happening here is there's piano strings going through the felt and sculpting it. As as the, the string is tuned up, the felt is sculpted and it gets its curve. But this, again, defies the character of the felt. There is another material inside this work that is not, you can't see it, but it's there, and gives the felt characteristics that are from another world, the world of instruments. And so the felt here, actually, instead of being the deadening of the sound, become the sound chamber itself. There's a flip of the use of the felt. And much like Morris's gravity sculpted felt on the wall, gravity is it's defying gravity you know it's lifting off the ground it is um, a reverse action than that of the Morris and so for me it's, it's, it, the context is very interesting in terms of the art history Boyce Morris but also just like the use of felt within instruments pianos on the hammers to deaden the strings when you're tuning just one string you put felt with, you we felt in the other strings so they don't make a sound so you can hear only that string and all this is kind of like contested through these works. And each one of these
0: works has only one string. Except there's one there's that's a There's one addictive. that
1: has a slit and has two strings, yeah. And they start off flat. When they arrive in the gallery, they're flat, and I put the string on, as I tune it, it gets the curve. And so there's a direct relationship between the pitch of the string and the, and the curve. curve of the work. The more curved, the higher the pitch.
0: It's beautiful. So
1: every, that's why I call the, the show Transitions. It's like every work here is kind of like
0: on the border between the visual and the sonic. I understand you're going to be presenting a, a live performance in Collins Park um, yeah. during our public sector of Art Basel yeah. this year. I'm very excited to see that. Thank you. I'm excited too.
1: It's, uh, it's a work called Composition 18. And the main image in this work is of a musician that's standing on their amplifier while playing through it. So the amplifier doubles both as a pedestal, a plinth, and a sound-transmitting device. It's basically this field of 18 musicians, primarily local musicians, 100% female musicians, um, that play through their amplifiers, three separate compositions that were written specifically for this performance. I commissioned three songs from three separate musicians, giving them the musical structure. So same four chords, all songs, same BPM, beats per minute, all songs, and the same musical scale for the singing. They got very different songs. And at a certain point in this field of musicians standing on their amplifiers, all the songs are going to be played together. And so you, as a viewer, you move through this field and instead of cacophony, actually, with your movement, songs Break apart and come together uniquely to where you're standing within this field.
0: And so they'll be positioned. In, yeah, it's like. Three spaces, and so the audience will be walking among them, between it's, them. Yeah.
1: It's hard to not walk through it. It's a sound it's, field. It's a sound field. And for me specifically, it's also very important at this time to talk about the fact that it's 100% female musicians. And I think that by itself is very powerful. It's not about only the way they look, but also their capabilities. There's so many amazing female musicians in Miami, and I'm working with probably just, like,
0: a handful of them. What do you hope will be the experience of those who are there in the park?
1: Well, you know, for me, it's like... It's, uh, the viewing experience of this work is a democratic viewing experience in the way that each viewer can can decide if they go inside the field, where do they stand, how they walk. So through your motion, your body motion within this field, you're basically choosing what you're going to hear. And the idea is that it's on the one hand sonic and centrally, like great for the ears. On the other hand, it's much also a visual experience of this field of sculptures, live sculptures, you know, referencing Gilbert and
0: George and Flex Gonzalez-Torres. Tell me about where your live performances are going to take place during Miami Art Week. At Collins Park, open to the public and free on the 30th of November,
1: 8 to 10 p.m., there'll be Composition 18. Transition 3 will be activated and performed on by uh, seven amazing musicians that came together specifically in order to compose a piece uniquely for Spinello Project and the show here. We're going to perform that on December 2nd at 9.30 p.m. at Spinello Project. Yeah,
0: come. This is the Fresh Art International Show on Jolt Radio, Miami, Florida. I'm Kathy Bird. A few days after my conversation with Nama Sabar, I visit the tent of Untitled Art Fair on Miami Beach to meet Amanda Schmidt, the fair's programming and development director. She's part of the creative team that brings Untitled to Miami Beach every December. Follow us as Amanda walks me through the tent that now stands empty. Behind us, you'll hear the sounds of workers putting the finishing touches on the space. In the next 48 hours, curators, exhibitors, artists, and art will bring the tent to life for one week. Let's explore the anatomy of this unique art fair before the doors open. So we're walking through the empty exhibition space, I would call it, yeah. with, there's more than, there's
3: how many? 130 galleries, so it's our biggest fair to date. We started the fair in 2012 with 65 galleries, so at this point we've officially doubled in size. <laughs> Square footage? definitely doubled in size i think the first year i think the tent would have already stopped by now probably back around where that ladder is how big the first tent was so now the tent is seventy thousand square feet and there's a 130 galleries from 20 different countries it's our first gallery from africa that's what if the world from johannesburg I and love that gallery
0: I yeah that's are great
3: and then a g- gallery from Japan this year. So we're covering one, two, three, four, five continents this
0: year. We're standing in a space that has a green floor and yellow walls, and this will become? The Jungle Lounge. Awesome, yeah. what will happen in here? What, what will it look like?
3: So this is a lounge, um, Last year we started, rather than having a VIP lounge, we make our lounge open to the public and we make it into a curated artist project. So it's something that's less about exclusivity and more about sort of welcoming everybody to experience like what this is all about, which is about enjoying art and learning about new artists. So last year we invited toilet paper and it was called the toilet paper lounge, which was. I think really good for the first year to subvert the idea of VIP lounge to toilet paper lounge. like you can't get more of an opposite name than that. Um, but toilet paper is an artistic collaboration between Maurizio Catalan and Pier Paolo Ferrari. Um, they're both Italian, and they covered the entire lounge in toilet paper merchandise. I saw it. It was gorgeous.
0: (laughs) And this year will be a pop-up jungle, I guess. Yeah,
3: yeah. So um, we wanted to continue that idea. And so the curators, um, Melanie Scarsiglia and Christophe Boutin, invited a New York-based artist named Daniel Gordon, who's also a photographer. So there's a connection between what toilet paper was doing and what Daniel is doing. He proposed to do a, a jungle lounge. And so one characteristic of Daniel's work is that he has always created these sort of trompe l'oeil scenarios out of photography. So he'll photograph items such as a plant or a couch, and then he'll sort of paste that image onto a plant or onto a couch. So it's like this meta meta image of these objects. So what you're going to be experiencing in here is sort of a meta image of a jungle. So it's going to be furniture and wallpaper and lamps and different objects that are covered in this sort of jungle theme. And there's also going to be a sound element. So, yeah, another place for sound within the fair. Super fun. Yeah, the sound's going going to be be like different birds and plants and the wind. And it's going to sound like you're in the jungle.
0: Amanda, you're an independent curator as well as... uh, the director of programming and development for this fair.
3: My story with Untitled starts in 2012 with the first fair because I actually participated as an exhibitor with a gallery called The Hole, which still is an exhibitor in the fair up until this day. Um, But I had known Omar for a long time before Untitled and then I met Jeff and the rest of the team that year in 2012. But I didn't officially come on with Untitled until Two years ago. The conversation started because Omar had invited me in 2013 to propose a special project curatorially for the fair and so I started thinking about it. At the time I was working for a gallery and I was traveling to all of these different art fairs and you know when you're working in a gallery you're doing like eight fairs a year like you're constantly traveling you're constantly in different cities and Every fair is wildly different, but there's there are certain elements of every art fair that sort of overlap. And one thing that really stood out to me was fair programming and how problematic it can be. You know, we're here, when you're, in, I think for me working for the fair, I have a unique perspective because I've been the person in the booth trying to sell the artwork. So I know what what the dealers need and what the exhibitors want, like what makes a good fair For the exhibitor, who really is the main—you know—it's they're our main client, and what we do as fair directors and fair organizers is to try to create the best possible environment and scenario for them to do well, both financially—you know, financial success, meeting new clients, meeting curators, having fun—and I think that's one thing about Untitled is people have fun here. My proposal was to come to Untitled and activate different areas within the fair with audio-based work. So to create sort of a sound environment. Maybe it would be something that happens over a loudspeaker, like every day at noon, there's you know a sound piece that plays. Or maybe when you're in the bathroom, you hear a sound piece. Or maybe every time you check out at the cafe, there's a sound that plays, and that sound is designed by an artist. So although we were all very excited about that idea, it never actually came into fruition. Um, But I think that that was the starting point for me to then come on as Director of Programming and then start Untitled Radio. Now it's over 40 hours of sound programming. I think that's
0: pretty amazing. Yeah. We are sitting in the tent of the Untitled Art Fair Mm -hmm. Miami Beach. Mm -hmm. And the fair is an uncommon fair. Mm -hmm. And I think really respected. It's a curatorial project. Mm -hmm. I met Omar Lopez Shahu in February Mm -hmm. and ever since then I've wanted to develop a relationship Mm -hmm. with the fair. The experience of this particular fair is more like an exhibition than a fair. Mm -hmm. It's uh, existed since 2012. Mm -hmm. What is the curatorial vision of a fair like Untitled the way that definitely the way Miami Beach Untitled Art Fair has been designed? What's the model?
3: I can't go away too many secrets, um, but I think what's really important to note from the beginning is that the curators, um, the curatorial team, which is Omar Lopez Shahoud with Christophe Boutin and Melanie Scarsiglia, everything is curated based on the applications that are received from the galleries. So it's not that The curators can get together and say, this year we're going to focus on photography, or this year we're going to focus on the color red. Um, You know, they really do an enormous amount of work sorting through these applications, and not just looking at the application and kind of going this way, that way. They're doing research. They're trying to figure out what are the thematic, um, what are the threads that that we're seeing rise out of these applications. So every year it's different. Um, You know, one year there might be more photography than other years. One year there might be more um, politically engaged artwork than in other years. But I do think knowing the curators that we work with, their um, sort of guiding ethos is creating a fair that is fresh, fun, dynamic, and most importantly, offers new discoveries. They're not looking to to produce a fair that just has these big names that we see at every other fair around the world. Untitled is really about um, presenting an opportunity for surprise and discovery. I
0: like that a lot, and I I know how you work with not only commercial galleries, but other partners Mm -hmm. are involved.
3: This year in particular, we're working for the first time with the Institute of Contemporary Art Miami, um, which we're thrilled to have on board. Um, In the past, we've always worked with nonprofits at the fair. Um, Last year, we had the Aperture Foundation, who's actually returning this year. Um, Site Santa Fe had a booth with us last year. Um, Site Lab from Grand Rapids, Michigan, is a nonprofit that comes back with us every year. And I think one thing that's unique about Untitled and its relationships with nonprofits is that we treat them as equal exhibitors within the floor plan. So it's not that we have um, a section with young galleries or a section with the nonprofits. It's
0: completely integrated.
3: Yeah, yeah. And that's really where the fair, not only through um, during the applications and during the artists that are being presented at the fair, the curators are also literally curating the floor plan. Like right now we're sitting inside of Laura Reynolds' empty booth and across from us is David B. Smith Gallery from Denver. There's a reason that they're across from each other. And right now, there's no art up in the booth, so we can't see that thread. But but
0: there will be a dynamic yeah. created by the placement of the booths. Yeah,
3: yeah. So the experience of walking through the fair um, sort of unfolds a- as you go through it. You know, you, you understand maybe why, um, different galleries are placed in different areas within the floor plan. And they also think about sort of the physical presentation. There are some, some booths that um, might be situated better, you know, facing this side of the light. If There's a gallery bringing video or um, technology-based work. There's actual physical and environmental considerations.
0: I know you have a diverse range of programming. What other artist projects are you bringing in?
3: We've invited artists Ria Crit, Tiara and Thomas Vu um, to do sort of a immersive installation where they um, have surfboards that have been that they designed that are going to be available to check out and go swimming in the ocean with or surfing. It, there's no waves today, but doesn't mean you can't. They could use it around. as a board. Yeah. There's another project that I'm. Um, really excited about called Diario El Blanco by an Argentinian artist named Noemi Eskendel um, which was originally staged in 1995 and it's gonna be presented again for the first time here. Um, it's a project where the artist has printed um, empty newspapers, sort of front pages of newspapers and the Visitor or the viewer, and thus the sort of participator in this project, is invited to write the headline that they want to read. So it says, um, Escriva la noticia que desea leer, which means write the news that you want to read. Um, We're producing this piece bilingually, which I think is very important in a city like Miami, not only because this artist is um, Spanish-speaking, but we're in a, a one of the most multicultural cities in the world and, of course, a truly bilingual city in America. Um, So this is, I think, a politically engaged piece that is especially relevant this year in an election year. Um, It's, you know, before the results of the election in November, we were unsure um, how this piece, you know, would it still have the impact, you know? This, the same impact showing it after November 8th than before. And after the results of this election, I think it will be even more impactful. I think people want their voices to be heard. I think there are people who are angry, who are happy. Um, there's both sides to the story, especially in Florida. Um, so we're excited to see how people will react to this piece and what sort of headlines are produced. People are going to rise them to be Yeah. Pens to write the mm-hmm. to write the headline. Yeah, markers and pens, and um, you know, typically um, the curators don't. I wouldn't say that politically or socially social um, socially motivated works are uh, a, a crux of the curatorial concept of Untitled, but I think this piece will fit especially well in, within this year's fair, um, which has a lot of participatory projects.
0: I'm really excited to experience it myself. And yeah. one of my ways of being involved will be through Untitled Radio. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that because yeah. this is your it's your biggest baby. project. Yeah. Yes, You founded it just a year ago. What was the
3: inspiration? Um, so I'm a radio nut to begin with. I've always listened to the radio, um, AM, FM, and then when podcasts started to, you know, develop, what is it, maybe like 10 years ago, I really became obsessed with podcasts, and then web-based radio stations. You know, there are so many radio stations around the world that I listen to on a daily basis, and I think it's so extraordinary to be able to tune in to what other people are interested in, in different parts of the, the, uh, you know, around the world. Um, And... I think most immediately, I am also inspired by uh, a few other art-based radio stations that I've encountered um, in New York and at various art events. And there's one um, radio station in particular that I love called No Wave um, that a lot of my friends are involved with. And I heard them do sort of a on-location broadcast this is, this is like my little anecdote. They were on location at the Dallas Art Fair in either 2012 or 2013. And a friend of mine, a curator named Piper Marshall was sort of the radio host that afternoon. And she was at, either at the fair or right outside of the fair. And people kept walking by that she knew. Artists, other curators, other dealers. And they would kind of come in and, and hop on the microphone. And at the time, I was working for a gallery, and my gallery was at that fair, but I was at the desk in New York. I was still at the gallery, and I was like, oh, man, like, I wish I was there. You know, art fairs are so exciting. Um, But tuning into this radio broadcast really made me feel like I was part of it somehow. Like, I knew what was going on. And so my desire to start Untitled Radio came both out of that original sound project that I had told you about earlier, but also out of finding a way to create fair, fair programming that could be inclusive to everyone, not just people who are at the fair in Miami Beach, you know, physically on site. How can people in Ottawa, Canada and New York and London and Hong Kong tune in and feel like they're in Miami Beach with us?
0: And you know, a little bit about Fresh Art International that yeah. I completely share your yeah. philosophy yeah. about how we can reach the world mm-hmm. through voice. Yeah, So I'm very excited about that, um, how this radio station, listeners, will take the place of lectures, talks, and panels, mm-hmm. and provide some sound elements, music performances.
3: The live performances this year are um, by an artist named Rourke Menzies, uh, an artist from Argentina named Mercedes Um I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, another live performance will be um, a sort of theatrical reading by a Chicago-based artist named Andrew Holmquist. Um, there will be a reading by a, a young writer named Andrea McGinty. Um, yeah, mer- but the Mercedes Pilaqueta performance I think will be one of the most... Um, intensive um, live performances on Untitled Radio, and also a band from Berlin, of, I believe they're Mexican artists living in Berlin, called La Rubia Te Besa. and they are a self-declared um, glam rock band. They're going to be doing a live musical performance. And listeners, Fresh
0: Art International will be bringing daily conversations Mm -hmm. at Untitled Radio as well. I'm wondering, all this rich offering that I know that you bring to the the beach Mm -hmm. every year, how does that, how have you seen it impacting the success? I know that's a goal. How have you seen it impacting the success of the galleries that you work with? How does it affect their sales and their success and their desire to come back to work with you?
3: Yeah, I think the programming at the fair allows um, the galleries for multiple points of engagement. Um, not only can they bring visual artwork um, into their booths, but this allows them to present the work of other artists who might not make static based artwork you know I think a lot of galleries internationally they're focused on building a program and to have a program at a gallery you have to have a diverse roster of artists who work in different mediums so there are galleries that um, you know maybe some of their best known artists are painters or photographers but they're also just as invested in performance artists audio based um, work uh, artists that work in in um, time based media you know, there's, there's so many different um, types of artwork and medium to focus on, and we want to provide opportunities to exhibit that as well in a commercially-driven context, a traditionally commercially-driven context.
0: That's right. And, and you've said how it's grown, so it's obviously a success. Yeah. It's getting better every year. And what do you see as the future of this fair? What do you see? Untitled as-
3: San Francisco. That's the future. That's a very near future, Amanda. <laughs> I mean, right now, that's, I think that's the most um, obvious manifestation of how Untitled has grown. This is the first time we're launching in a new city. And um, in the long run, there will be a third city. So there will be Untitled Miami Beach, Untitled San Francisco, and Untitled to be Determined.
0: That's super. <laughs> so I'm here with Amanda Schmidt. Programming and Development Director for Untitled Miami Beach and Untitled San Francisco now. Thank you for spending time with me to share the anatomy
3: of an art fair. Thank you for um, meeting me today. Um, We're so excited for the programming that you're going to present this week.
0: This is the Fresh Art International Show on Jolt Radio, Miami, Florida. I'm Kathy Bird. Our show today featured conversations with Nama Sabar, and Amanda Schmidt. Visit FreshArtInternational.com to learn more about their projects and tune in to our daily show on Untitled Radio during Miami Art Week 2016. If you like what you're hearing, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FreshArtINTL and Jolt Radio. Thank you for listening.